If you ever happen to come across a teenager who says they are looking forward to the end of winter break, I guarantee that you are face-to-face with a post-Oak High School student. Welcome back to our third episode of Popcasts. The post-Oak High School community participates in two-week course intensives each year after winter break. This anticipated period is known as J-Term and creates a smooth transition back to school and gives students the opportunity to explore a unique area of interest, from personal finance to laser cutting and woodworking to even online gaming, students gain hands-on and in-depth experience in subjects that don't typically appear in a traditional school curriculum. The courses are inspired by passionate students and led by experienced faculty. Under normal circumstances, the vast majority of J-Term courses are travel opportunities. Students explore China, Jamaica, Costa Rica, and Spain, and also a little small town in Texas called Seymour. From engaging in extensive archaeological digs, to creating culturally-centered documentaries, to viewing and analyzing famous art, students become fully immersed in a different way of life. These trips instill a lasting sense of cultural appreciation and also establish enduring connections between peers and faculty. Of course, these courses also create very valuable memories that students cherish well beyond their time at Post Oak. So now that you have a better understanding of what J-Term is, our hosts for Episode 3 are going to share with us their 2021 J-Term experience and why they love J-Term. Let's get started! My name is Sarah Laskin, and I am going to be hosting today. I'm with Kenzie Frazier, Sidette Rice, and Fabricio. And today we're going to be talking about our wonderful J-Term. All right, so I guess we'll just go around and talk about our J-Term. Start with Kenzie. Um, I'm in China, the Chinese people and the culture. It's pretty cool. Mr. Zhou is the teacher. I'm in uh, musical theater with Mr. Lowry and Ms. Bowman, and I am with... Uh, six others. I'm in uh, probably the best J-term, personal finance, uh, with our best teacher, Dr. Odd. And we're learning all about the stuff of finance, including stuff like trading stocks, uh, stuff about banks, mortgages, loans, and the most fun of all, taxes. I'm in golf. We play golf. We learn about golf things, like golf history. For context, Kenzie Frazier is a junior. I'm a junior. Fabrizio Guerra is a junior. And Sarah Laskin is the senior. (laughs) All right, so now that we have a tiny brief overview, I think asking questions and going around Q&A style would be a really nice way to learn about J-Term. Kenzie, what even do you do in the China J-Term? Since usually uh, you go to China, right? But because of COVID, we can't go to China. So what do you do instead? Uh, We've been reading a book called... (laughs) She's reaching for her bag Get the book out. We've been reading a book called The Chinese in America by Iris Chang which is not the book that they've been reading the past few years, but it's still a good one. We've also been watching a lot of documentaries and movies about China and also about Chinese-American relations and like Chinese-American life. And we've been doing a few field trips. What field trips have you been on? We went to Chinatown, we went to a temple, we went to do kung fu. Really? Oh, right. Did you like take hard. a class of kung hard. fu? Yeah, I'm really. Mauricio yeah. and I have both personally taken the J term just for audio listeners, um, and you know, we're, we're not recording, so only audio listeners. So we know a lot about this J term as well. I've taken both the China J term and the China A term. So you're just like going on the same China trip again and again. Yeah, because I love it. Um, but I didn't go out, get to go on the China A term last year because yeah, that was a very yeah, sad. me and Fabricio didn't get to because Fabricio you know COVID. 
Did I ask? Listen, it's fine. So, um, going to China when I went on my freshman year was absolutely the greatest experience of my life. Like, when I went to the middle school at Post Oak, I was like, this this bombs. This is so much fun. We went to, like, all these different trips. Washington, and we went to the Grand Canyon. And I was like, this is sick. And then on my freshman year of high school, I literally went to this world's second biggest economy on the other side of the planet where I had probably the greatest experience of my life. Honestly. We went, we went to the, we had like a 15 hour flight and then immediately went to the, <laughs> to the Great Wall of China mm-hmm. right after. And we ate food on like that little ridge overlooking yes, the Great Wall. Yes. We went down a slide the great down wall? the yes. Great Wall. It was, a, I don't know what it was called, but it was like little carts that you go mm-hmm. in and you go down like a slide. It's so much fun. I think my but, freshman year is the best year I ever had in high school solely because of the China No, it was the best year I've ever had educationally so period. far, period. Anyway, moving on from China, uh, love China, but Good unfortunately, fan. we can't go, we can't travel anywhere this well, year, as I know. can't go. Oh, yeah, because I'm the one in the J-term. Yeah, because Kenny did the J-term. You're the only one here who hasn't done the China J-term. Everyone point at her and laugh. Anyway, moving on to musical theater. What is it, how is it, and who is it? I have a lot of mixed feelings about musical theater. I guess the expectation I walked in with is that I once did a musical theater program where it was like five hours a day for two weeks. We rehearsed and practiced a musical and like a full-blown musical with like uh, choreography, (laughs) excuse me, choreography, choreography, dialogue and such. And so that's what I thought I was getting into. But honestly, I'm really relieved that's not what it is. So what is it? Well, I was getting to that, Miss Girl. (laughs) Um, girl. But the first half of musical theater, because it's two weeks. um, The first half of musical theater, we learned about musicals and we wrote our own musical. um, A 10-minute musical. Well, it's more like 15 minutes now, but we originally intended it to be 10 minutes. And um, in the second half of J-Term, we are rehearsing and we're writing a little bit more and we're recording and we're editing our video, our little musical, down to 10 minutes and sending it out to the school. So today is this Thursday, what day is it? January 14th was our final day of filming. And so tomorrow we're gonna edit and send it out and do our presentation and all that. Oh, so y'all made, you're gonna present your musical to the school? Yeah, but yeah, I'm really glad it didn't end up being like a program where it's like we do a musical eight hours a day because that is such an exhausting, like yeah. regimen like memorizing lines is one of the hardest not things like memorizing done. lines but like blocking and just constantly moving and never getting to sit down memorizing if you have like if you, the easiest yeah. if you have like a 64 pack of nutter butters you can totally like blast through the day with that but because of miss bowman like nutter butters. yeah no miss bowman's like severely yeah, not addicted um what do you do allergic so that's what my musical theater J-term uh, experience is like so far, and I'm ready to see the final uh, video post-production. All right, you're up, Fabi. Brief summary. Brief summary about personal finance. No, no, no. no we're golf we and then personal, personal finance. finance. Why are we going? Okay, go ahead. Because go she... ahead, sir. All right, so I guess I'm talking about golf. Uh, so basically, it's, it's a J-term where we're doing everything about the history uh, players, famous people, how it came to be, how the game works in general, because not many people know that, apparently. And, of course, going out into the range and uh, doing things that have to do with golf, like golf. We primarily are at this thing called the First Tee. It's a course near Hobby uh, course, but it's mainly a practice area. We ha- There's a bunch of pitching areas, putting areas. Don't know how familiar you guys are with golf. I was- Not at all. 
Okay, basically, there's different types of clubs, there's different types of courses, and there's different clubs you use with different types of courses. And uh, I didn't know that until I got to the golf term. I mean, I knew there were different clubs and stuff, and I had a bit of experience, but we learned a lot about the specifics and meticulous actions that have to go into golf, like the swing and the grip and the stance and everything in between. I mean, I walked so many miles today because... Oh, you guys didn't have golf? Yeah, Dr. Cologne and Mr. Roddy did, so they were just zooming around on the golf carts, and we were like, hello, yeah, and they were like... Yeah, 32 people in that class. Oh, yeah, and, 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 half them, and, half them, and half of them can't drive, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that would be so problematic. Because so, I think you need to be like 18 and older to operate a golf cart really? ride. You by yourself. You have enough people who can drive. I've broken have, like, the law many car. times then. Well, no, on an official golf course. Oh. But it's, I don't know. It was really interesting, actually, to learn about all the stuff about golf. It's, like, used for business transactions because there's a lot of time in between, and it's not a contact sport, and it's, like, really peaceful and quiet. But it there is a lot more that goes into it that meets the eye, and I really do have a new appreciation for the sport. I'm just saying it's not for me because my ADHD is too bad to concentrate on 18 holes of golf. Anyway, personal finance. Period. Uh, so, when I first came to high school, I saw all, like, the A-term and J-term options. And when I looked at personal finance and I read its description, I was like, what am I, a nerd? I'm not going to do this. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I chose, basically what I chose is, like, all the stuff that everyone was doing. I ended up getting China, Woo! as I stated earlier. Love that one. Um, but then, after all the, after all the J-term was over, and I heard all the good stuff that came out of the J-term. And when I looked at, when I watched your presentation on the J-term presentation, I was like, oh, maybe this is actually like really useful to my life. And it's, it sounds like actually like a lot of fun. I actually did want to do golf a little bit more, but I, I thought that, I knew that personal finance is gonna be a very important uh, course to take. And I was right, uh, personal finance in the mere, what, nine days that we have, you go through a lot, and I mean a lot of different stuff. Um, at the start, we were all like, do uh, Dr. Ott, who was our daytime advisor, she was like, okay, um, just before we start, is there anything you guys uh, want to know, uh, like want to know about finance? And a lot of people, including me, were interested in doing stuff like related to stocks, because that's, that's like one of the only things we knew about how to make money in the finance world. So once we started, we made like a list of our values. And then we kept on, we made like a list of like 50, 50 values that we like hold true to ourselves. And then 50? we 50? Yeah, 50. Well, really? I made one of 50. We had like five minutes to write it. And so after that, we started watering them down and watering them down and watering them down until we had like 10. And then we cut, and then we chose out of those 10, our top three. And then those top three were our were our things that we value or our values that we think are like the most important. And we that was like the thing that we were gonna like invest in. And so my top three values were food, water, and shelter. Or was it love? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think shelter, love, same thing. I don't think you could invest. Yeah, maybe. money, love, same thing. I don't think you could invest in love anyway. So shelter it was. So after that. Uh, Dr. Ott told me, and she was like, you're, you know what, you're, you're, you're kind of like a protector. And I was like, a what? A protector? Why? And she's like, cause, cause you, you know that you, like these things like water, food and shelter are important. Uh, so, you, and you want to protect them. 
to make sure that everyone has it. And I was like, dang, that is... That is so philosophical. Yeah, I know. That Dr. Ott, deep. oh my gosh. And I was like, wow, okay. So when we got into... And then we and then to start trading, we actually didn't like put real money into it. We went to investopedia.com and they have a stock trading uh, simulator. And we all got to start off with $100,000 and we just started investing for the next two weeks uh, to see who'd win. As of today, Thursday, January what, the 14th? 14th. Yeah. I am in first place and I've made only $6,700. Okay, well, that's still better. When I was, when I took the first little financial term, we had, I actually, we had some people who went negative. For any of the adults listening, you guys should invest in Tesla. Um, so any, any final thoughts on personal finance? For no, I have way more thought. What do you mean final then thoughts? Then keep going! Yeah, you guys interrupted me. Okay, so anyway, um, we also, like, one of my favorite, one of the things that I like a lot is we watched, um, two movies so far. Tomorrow we're going to watch another one. First one was The Big Short. It was about the 2008 financial crisis. And you, you get to understand a lot of how, um, the stock market works and how real estate works and how loans work. Uh, and you also learn a lot of terminology involved in the finance world. Uh, another one was Trading Places. The Wolf of Wall Street. Hmm? No, we did not watch The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, <no>. <laughs> we did watch Trading Places. Uh, I thought that was a very good movie as well. Very comedic because it has Eddie Murphy in it. I myself found a lot of terminology from that. And just like very basic uh, stock advice. Like um, buy low, sell high. That's literally kind of it. And a lot of uh, stuff involving uh, stocks. We also learned some strategies. You had like fundamental and like uh, technical strategies. Uh, one of my favorite was um, using the average trend line. And that was, you took like a stock, let's say like Facebook, who's grown a lot in the past five, who's grown like from $100 to $250 in the past five years. Um, basically you take a 50 day average line of all like the ups and downs of how it goes. And you take a 200 a day average trend line. Yeah, and you see how it how it, Whenever it crosses, whenever like the 50 starts going up and it crosses the 200, that's when you buy. And then when they cross again, that's when you sell. And that, and like, um, we put that through a hypothetical situation starting in like 2015. And uh, when, when we used that strategy, we ended up getting a total profit of $93,000 from, oh. from 10,000 in what? five years. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. absolutely crazy. So you can, you can make like, you can use um, a lot of strategies to make your odds of winning uh, uh, a trade on the stock market to be like 80%, which is actually spectacular. 80% is a really, 80 really good. 80% is really good. So 70% is kind of what you're aiming at. That's what the goal is. I think, unless anyone else has anything to add, that. Oh, oh yeah, I do have a little <laughs> bit more stuff to add. You're kidding. No, I don't. There's, no, I haven't even. This is the tip of the iceberg. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do everything. He's gonna so say everything like, verbatim what happened in the J term. So, gets um, notes out. One thing we did today that I thought was really, really, really cool is how you can um you could uh take a like you could buy uh a fourplex and we did a hypothetical situation oh you we, did the real estate thing yes the where real you estate buy thing. fourplex and then yeah, calculate so, yeah yeah so i want to go to denver for college and really yeah I do. that's yeah we have people at denver yeah and so uh um, so I, I had to find a fourplex col close to the university of denver i didn't find one that was close but i found one that you could take the highway to really easily without tolls and um it was i was isaac townsend and i we were both working on it and we found the the thing it was for a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars yeah that's a lot 
So we did a hypothetical situation where our parents would um, give us a loan for the down payment, which is 20%, so $175,000. And that left us with a $700,000 mortgage with a 30-year plan with like a nearly 3% interest rate. And it's really good because that's really low. And like compared to like other times, according to Dr. Oz, that's uh, pretty low. So the average um, rent in the area was for uh, $1,450 a month. And uh, we did ours for um, $1,350 a month. So $100 less than the average of the area. Uh, and then if we say that three people are living in the fourplex with you in the other room and they pay their rent monthly, uh, you know, reliably, uh, we put it in a spreadsheet and we figured out that we could turn that uh, $30 mortgage. Um, and instead of putting uh, always every month $4,500, which would be all the collective of three people, instead of putting that every month and we did $3,700, uh, we, could, we could completely pay out the, the mortgage in 15.8 uh, years. Oh. Instead of 30. But then we're still, we didn't have time to finish the calculations to, to do the um, $175,000 loan that we did to our parents. Isaac and I had just said when we were presenting that we'd hope our parents would just forget about they it. They just, yeah, they just, <laughs> you just leave it to you in their wills. But um, in that case, if we had to pay off that $175,000 loan, which realistically we would, um, it would probably just take a couple years more, probably 20 years, which is like still 10 years less than that 30-year um, plan. So that's that's uh, just the basis really for what we did in personal finance. Anybody else with any uh, cool J-term stories they want to talk about? Um, not particularly. Just I lost today. We hit on an actual course instead of the first tee. I went to Wildcat, the Lakes one. So of course it's hard. Oh, I hate that one. Yeah, it was, it was so <laughs> it was rough. I Horrible. lost six golf balls, Oof. broke eight tees, and. That's funny got into three bunkers. Um, so as our closing question, we're gonna ask why do you think it's important for high schoolers to have J-terms, and especially the J-terms that we participate in, such as musical theater, golf, golf, sorry. Golf, uh, golf. <laughs> China, and personal finance. Okay, so, I don't know. I think J-term in general and A-term is something that Post Oak does really well, and is super important. I think golf in uh, golf specifically is important to learn because it's, hate to say it, but it's that sport where you're going to be doing your business deals and you're going to be, I don't know, it's just something that you should know. It's having some thing. golf knowledge under your belt is always a good thing. Golf is pretty important. But I feel like having a J and A term in general is, is also important because it gives us a, a little break because we're still doing school stuff, we're still learning, but it's out of the classroom unconventional learning and I think it's really important to do that because... It's more hands-on, it's not your typical classroom. You're getting a break from having to be in the classroom, but you're still filling your brain with knowledge. And a lot of my peers, since we're seniors, and also the juniors, still have to do IB work, so it's not like you totally get a break anyway. It just makes sure that you don't have other classes work to do in addition to, um, in addition to like all your other classes. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, a bunch of my friends are still filling out college apps, so I'm sure J term is a nice break, so you don't you can focus on those college apps and not like other stuff. I think my J term, which is China, is to me it's important. I think it's important to everybody for different reasons. For me, 
I just have always had a liking and interest towards foreign culture. So taking China was kind of, it was a good, it was a good idea for me, especially because out of any culture I could think of, I don't really know that much about China. And I feel like it's nice too. So I decided to do China Woo. and it's been really fun. And even if you're not significantly interested in like foreign culture or foreign language or anything like that, it's still just generally nice to know the things we're learning about because it's not just culture, it's not just the food, the dance, it's not just those aspects. It's also like we're learning about Chinese American history, we're learning about relations between China and America, we're learning about stuff that's relevant to us too, not just about China. I mean, we've the book we're reading is called The Chinese in America. It's pretty relevant to us, and to know a lot of the things that we've talked about, about China and US are pretty important. I would say I'm almost fluent, if not fluent in Spanish, so to look into different cultures was really interesting, and I got a perfect opportunity for that with my J-term. Yeah. I would say, non-specific to the musical J-term, um, that J-terms are really important because I feel like everyone dreads going back to school, especially after a break and especially during, you know, such a globally stressful event, um, that the J-term makes it really easy to, like, ease into the school routine and kind of take a break and have experiences with your friends and learn about something you traditionally wouldn't learn about uh, in school and just become accustomed to what's going on and stuff like that. Because I also feel like it's important to kind of step back and learn about the things that are going on around you non-academic wise. Like in the same way of like learning about taxes and finances, you wouldn't typically learn about that in school or studying something you're interested in like uh, China, golf, uh, musical theater, while still maintaining like an academic outlook on it. So, so personal finance, is actually it's always been important you know but now especially it's become increasingly more and more and more important because there's been more and more college students that have become like flat out broke in just a few months of college and they've had to actually like go home and stop doing college because they can't take care of themselves and they're broke so yeah and so, they're broke yeah and they're broke so they can't so having this course really gives you it gave me a wake-up call about how stupid i am with my money uh, because uh, I like when we did our budgeting, when we did like if we pretended we were in college, we did um, uh, we did like a budgeting thing, and it was like um, twenty five dollars to eat out monthly, and I was like twenty five dollars eat out month. I do that daily. Like what the heck? <laughs> so what? Kenzie with the Dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> so it it, it it it's taught me a lot, and it's taught me a lot of. A lot of ways to save money is how me a lot of ways to make money. Amazing. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our podcast for today. Uh, our podcast. Podcast. Wait, wait. This has been a fun minutes with you guys. See you next time on the Post Oak School podcast. Our next segment is brought to you by the Post Oak Fund. What will your support go toward this year? 
COVID-related expenses such as PPE, sanitizing, and increased technology. The new museum district addition, including more teaching space, a volleyball court, and a covered basketball court. A flood mitigation project at the Bissonette campus increased financial aid, and so much more. The post Oak Annual Fund will help us get through this year in a big way. Hi, this is Josie Gregg, and we are pleased to present the next post Oak story with an excerpt from an interview I did with post Oak parent and board member Gabriel Loperena, sharing the amazing adventures of his grandfather, also named Gabriel Loperena, who was born in the Basque Country and lived through the Spanish Civil War. Enjoy! He was born in the Basque Country, and he left at a pretty early age. He left there to go study in Madrid. He finished his studies in Madrid. And he started work at the Ministry of Education. While he was working at the Ministry of Education, um, he, he became an inspector for schools. So he actually went, he studied Madrid, he joined the ministry, and then he would start to go all over the country to inspect schools for the state, make sure they were compliant and all that stuff. So in one of those, one of those trips, he actually went to a little town uh, called A Coruña in Galicia. Uh, it just happened to be that he was... It was a Saturday morning, and he had arrived, and he went into the school, goes in. Obviously, the school is sort of semi-locked. All he can find is this one woman who's just sweeping the floor. And uh, he stops her. He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm in the inspector of schools from Madrid, and I'm here to inspect the school. I'd like to speak with the person in charge. And, uh, you know, with arms akimbo, this woman looked up to him and said, uh, well, I'm the person in charge. And that was ultimately my grandmother. Um, and she traveled back once they, they, they got married and she traveled back to Madrid. At some point during that, uh, the, the Spanish, the Spanish revolution effectively began and, uh, Franco, who later became the dictator of Spain, started making significant inroads, um, to the point where they were on the outskirts of, of Madrid. And in fact, he remembered, uh, years later how, uh, he was at the ministry when they heard the news that Franco's forces were on the outskirts of the city, and that if you, you know, if you were a Republican, you were going to defend the Republic, you should go to the nearest barracks. And so he went, and he was handed a rifle, and he became part of a division and went out into the outskirts to fight the, the Franco forces. The Franco was supported by international players, who the biggest thing they did was send him uh, aircraft to cover his attacks. So at some point, one of these aircraft, uh, one of these airplanes started supporting the Franco's forces. So his troops basically disbanded, fled, and he went back to his town. And so the, the, the war kind of continued. Um, at that point, Navarra was still in control of the Republican forces. And he actually, and there was still some semblance of democracy. So when he got there, he actually organized and uh, ran for mayor of his little town. So he ran against this guy. Uh, who was a friend of his also from, but, um, and they were both Republican. Well, election night, remember, this is a tiny town. So on election night, they, uh, they count up all the votes and uh, he loses by one vote. Well, he later tells his family that, that he actually voted for the other guy. So he lost because he voted for the other guy. Um, so he, he, he loses that race, um, which was, fortunate because the other guy was shot um, 
uh, executed by Franco's forces when they got up to, to Navarra. But at, at that point, he says, well, this is this is a problem. I can't do this anymore. So I need to figure out what to do. He he travels from there to Coruña, where my grandmother was from, and he gets put in jail. Um, and he's put in jail. They know he's kind of a political instigator. So they say, well, they, they, they decide they're going to execute him the next morning. My grandmother is there with my uncle. And so she decides, well, out of desperation, she's just going to go plea for his life, plead for his life with the warden of the prison. She walks into the office of this guy and she starts pleading. And he he's no interest in what she's saying until he finally looks up, probably to just send her away. And he has this flood of recognition and he realizes that she was his teacher a long time ago. And he really liked her. So he starts listening to her and he finally decides, look, I'll let him go. We'll pretend he escaped. But I'm telling you, I'm going to have to go and arrest him again if he's in this country by tomorrow. So you've got to get him out of the country. So she thanks him and all that stuff. They, they smuggle him out of the prison with the warden's consent. And they go to this little house and they find a ticket on a steamer that's going from Coruña to Havana. They get there. He boards the ship. My, my grandmother and my uncle actually were stayed behind. They, they couldn't make it. You know, there, there was no place for them. So they stayed behind so that he could send for them later. But he boards the, the steamer ship and, um, and it was a steamship called the Orbit. So he gets in it. They're pulling out the, you know, the, the planks to board the ship, whatever. And as the ship is going out, patrol cars come to try and find him. The ship has left, has, has departed. So they're not, the patrolmen decide that these are Franco forces. The, the Franco forces decide to call shore to ship to figure out if, the, if Lopetina is on the ship. Well, they call the ship. They reach the captain. They tell the captain what's going on. And the captain goes out to the you know, passengers in this thing and says, well, are any of you named Lopetina? He raises his hand and says, yes, I'm, I'm Lopetina. And uh, the, the captain thinks about it for a moment. And he says, you know, they, they want you. They want to arrest you. He says, yeah, I know they want to arrest me. It's for political reasons. The captain thinks about it again. And for all to hear, gets back on it and says, um, this is a sovereign ship on Her Majesty's service, and we are not turning back. So fortunately, the ship was British, and then they didn't have to turn back. So that's how he got to Havana. And then the rest is, is sort of story. I mean, he... He went to Havana, he worked there for a bit, then moved to Venezuela and kind of just settled there. And he, he, he passed away in Venezuela at 101, but he passed away in Venezuela many years later. He was a huge inspiration to me growing up. Um, so he was always, you know, he was always learning. He was always curious. He was just a fascinating guy. So I, I always looked up to him in that sense. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be honest, I just finished listening to this story segment right before I record this outro, and I am currently in my target heart rate, my mom is in the other room with tears in her eyes, thank you so much for sharing this story with us, It, I can't believe it's real, it sounds like an action movie, and I honestly think this will go down in podcast history as 
one of my favorite story segments, if not my favorite. And another big thank you to Sarah Fabricio Sadet and Kenzie for giving us their perspective on your J-term experiences. I am sure that our postdoc community can now recognize how J-term leaves students with life lessons, new friends, and a great subject for their college essay. <laughs> on behalf of the postdoc school, we appreciate how much postdoc sees the value in taking this time for students to immerse themselves in these unique areas of interest that result in more knowledgeable, passionate, and well-rounded individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you will tune in again for our next episode.